if I'm not by default the first choice, if I'm not by default, if it's not going to be me, like if I'm not just assuming that I'm going to be picked, that, that we are, no matter what, it's going to be me and you in the end. It also creates space to really grow a whole different kind of relationship. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult the medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 72. We're Emma and Finn. And our voices might be a little hoarse because we've spent the last week yelling. Yeah, I was going to say we probably sound hoarse and tired because that's exactly what we are. We're tired horses. But we spent the last week... You know she's tired if she laughed at that joke. I know. <laughs> True. Uh, I laugh at all your jokes. What are you talking huh. about? So what about what's going on this week? Well, first off, we spent the last week at the World Domination Summit in Portland. We're actually still in Portland. So we are. It was a pretty amazing weekend. I highly recommend anybody, if if you ever feel like you might have some free time next summer, to try to make it here it's the final year that they're doing it and it was probably one of the most incredible weeks of our lives yeah so just you, meeting a lot of really amazing people so hello to any of the people we met that maybe we picked up some new listeners yay and uh yeah and if you're curious what the world we're talking about um go to our website click on the link for the world domination summit uh, and check yeah, it out. And we'll also put some videos to some of the, the the previous speeches that have happened in years before up on, on there as well. So Very motivating, very inspiring, awesome. So we're charged up and ready to go, but this week we have an interview, as always. Yeah, with Christy and David. They, uh, I will, we'll keep it really short here. They basically, before you listen to this, Throw away all of your preconceived ideas of what a relationship, like standard relationship dynamic looks like. Yeah. And just go and listen. Have an open mind. And be blown away. Yeah. So I will say that. I will also say the audio has a few spots where it it breaks up throughout, but it's like a word here or a word there. I was able to repair most of it, and if if it wasn't um, audible... We usually repeated what they said back to them. That only really happens like once or twice, but we just wanted to make you aware that we were aware. Yes, that's not perfect. The other last and final thing is sort of building on the theme that we had this week here at World Domination Summit was like the biggest piece was community and the community that we found here and the community that we've started to create. Through this podcast. Yeah, through the podcast. So... Uh, we mentioned a few weeks ago we started a Patreon. The The whole point of the Patreon is to build a community. We're doing some live video Q&As where we'll be answering questions, but also, more importantly, there will be other people in there that can answer your questions as well. So if you have questions or stories or something happened to you and you're like, is this shit normal? And then 
you can ask it in there. People will tell you what they think. We've already got a handful of people signed up. Super so, excited about it. Yeah, some amazing people, some former guests on the show. Mm-hmm. So, it's, And the first uh, call is going to be later this month. Yep, it'll be late July. Um, you also have the opportunity, depending on which level you join at, there's going to be a large group sort of chat kind of thing where it's not once a month, but it's just a constant thing if you want to be involved. So look into that if you want to help build a community, if you want to be a part of the community, or if you need help from the community. Yes. So with that... Let's go listen to Christy and David. But maybe we should tell them where they can get to our website. I was just going to actually chime in and say that too. You can find us at normalizingnonmonogamy.com or nnmpodcast.com. There you will find links to all the show notes for all of our shows and also a resources page where you can find links to a bunch of the things that we mentioned on the show. Yes, very true. And next week we... Oh, and you can find the contact us page. So reach out, email us, send us a voicemail. Yeah, because how else do you make a community better other than reaching out to the community? Yes. Next week we promise not to sound so much like NPR. Yeah, or, or horse and we'll, or, Yeah, we'll have our voices tired back. Tired horses. We won't be recording in an Airbnb room. <laughs> Thank you. We will see everybody on the other side of the interview. And for anyone in the U.S., happy 4th of July weekend. Give it a go? Yeah. All right, well... Welcome, David and Christy. Christy and David. Yes, and Maggie. And Maggie the dog (laughs) to the podcast. So you guys reached out to us a little while back. You were uh, referred to us by a former podcast guest, Jason of Jason and Val, episode 46. Yeah, just plug the episode. Just plug in it. So yeah. (laughs) Every chance. Yeah, absolutely. On your own show. Um, Yeah, so maybe do you mind telling us and the listeners a little bit about who each of you are? Sure. Okay. Um, We are married. We met, actually, we've known each other since we were 17. Awesome. Um, He was my little sister's, is my little sister's best friend. Um, But after high school, we kind of went our separate ways. We always knew sort of about each other from my sister. We kept tabs on we kept each other. Tabs on each other. We kept asking about each other, but we never really talked. Very over several years, and then um, we reconnected when we were thirty, six or seven years ago. We both were going through divorces, and it was yeah how we started. We we had each other at a time of transition in both of our lives. We were supposed to. Our sister hooked us up because she knew both of us needed to get laid. So I was talking to her sister going through my divorce and her sister happened to be in Japan at the time. So out of country. So I'm, I'm messaging her through like Facebook messenger or something like that. So you should talk to Christy. She's right down the road from you. Um, and she's been there. And that way you have somebody close by to support you. And you always have, you should talk. I had seen Christy probably three times over the past five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Two of those had been in the previous six or seven months just because we happened to be running into each other. Um, and that's all she told me was you should talk to Christy. Right. And at this point, you said you were both kind of going through divorces. and We were both going through bad divorces. But I didn't know she was going through a divorce. I, I, I got no information. And then I found out that uh, Brandy had given Christy 
all of my information, just laid it all out because she's a sister. So she's like, here's all the everything you need to know. And so I show up to talk and. Yeah, so Christy knew everything about you and you didn't know anything about her. No. (laughs) (laughs) So we, that's how it started, right? We were just going to, you know, have a hookup and then. The cat made an appearance. Yeah, the cat made her appearance. Messing with my mind mm-hmm. and go our separate ways, and um, but like we just connected, and like it's so cliche. Like I feel this is the roll your ass point, but like I fell in love with him in a day. Like I fell in love with him in a day, and I knew like oh okay, well this is all those plans have just now changed, and we just went for it. But because we were both coming from the relationships we were. And, you know, going through thing of relationships, we really, from the beginning, had a, let's not do what we've done that doesn't work. Right. Right. Let's not do the things that we, we've clearly done it not successfully. So let's set ourselves up for being successful. And one of the things is, you know, I have a 100% fail rate at monogamy. 100%. I've been a serial monogamous since I was 16. Well, in from from 16 to 30, I was a serial monogamist, and I just failed at it. Eventually, something would happen at some point. I would have an affair. I would have an emotional affair. Something would happen, and I would be unfaithful to that relationship. Um, and I had the exact same story. So we were like, very early on, became a part of our conversation. So, so David, you you had also sort of gone through the same progression of having many many partners and then cheating on them or having an affair of some kind. And I was a very bad monogamist, and I was a very unethically non-monogamous. Um, uh, I had never had a relationship since I started having relationships that I did not cheat on, with like one exception, and that. Exception only existed because I didn't have the opportunity, if I'm being completely honest. Like, there wasn't a single relationship ever that I hadn't. And so when we said, okay, this is serious, let's, how do we want to handle our relationship? We started off with, we can talk about any fantasy we want. We can, we can, bedroom and sex and all of those things are sacred and safe and. So we don't even have to be the star of each other's fantasies, and we can talk about that and share that. Mm-hmm. Started off just sharing fantasies, testing the water, and had nothing but good responses. Nothing but good responses. And then we, I can't remember the exact order, but um, after we had moved out of the hometown in the uh, middle of nowhere, small rural Arkansas, we ended up in middle of nowhere rural midwest that no one knew us so we got on craigslist and we answered a craigslist ad um it was a bad with with a couple because we were in a tourist uh we were i was in the tourist industry and we were in a tourist town okay people coming through and we answered a craigslist ad for somebody from out of state who was coming through and it was just it was a bad bad thing it was weird it was and then you were um, the tour guide the next day the- yeah. <laughs> so on the, but like, it really the, I think the key to the key was like the, we were very honest with each other about 
the things that we've done in our past that were, you know, uh, that we considered unethical from the beginning. And we also, like I said, like David said, the, the, our bedroom being a safe space was key because that's really where it came from. That's where we started talking like when other people started appearing in our sexual fantasies and the other person was responsive to that and not shameful for that. Then that kind of opened the door of like, well, we can talk about this more. And then it mm-hmm. would come from there. Like, well, we could actually do this, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so, so when, oh, go ahead. Say, how long have you been together? But when you moved and, and started bringing someone else actually in here, a year, about, about a year, when it was actually someone else, and those were um, the first two experiences were awkward and weird. Third one was amazing because it was a friend. It was a friend I trusted very well, and 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 it was a great experience. And then we're still great friends, so it was it was a friend, and it was a good experience that we remain friends. And so then it was like, oh, okay, this can. Be- so we do like it. We do want to do these things. We had just had bad choices to begin with. Right. Yeah. Um, maybe Craigslist isn't the best place to look. No. No. <laughs> was there, was there any issues like so you both knew that you had each of you had struggled in the past of the b- being faithful, and then to take that step of like, well, let's let's do it. Let's let's explore this now together. Was there any concern that like? the lying and cheating would start to happen again? Or was it sort of like, well, now that it's open, I don't have to do that. Well, that's kind of, we from the beginning had like radical honesty with each other. Like that was part of a, let's do it. Let's what we did wrong. We know what we've done wrong and how we've totally fucked things up. So let's do everything we can to not do it wrong. And one is, is that if you're my partner and, and he is, you know, my best friend, then I'm going to treat you like that. And that means I'm going to be honest with you, even when the honest is hard. And and if I'm hiding something or I feel the need to hide something, that's a sign. That's a something that should be a big red flag that either we need to go back to the table and talk about some things or I'm, I'm stepping out of what we negotiated is, is good for our relationship or ethical um, so we had that as the core, and we kind of had that in all areas of our lives, not just and, sex. And there were moments that there have been moments over the past um, four or five years that that's happened. That that one of us has started to do something we didn't immediately want to talk about, or or we, if for whatever reason, felt the need to hold back, uh, either subconsciously or consciously. And 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 there's been issues there, and we've talked, but. We were able to, because of the groundwork we laid out, because of the trust we were able to build over the preceding years, we were able to talk about those things. And there, there have been, there's been tears, and there have been hard times, and there's been uh, bruised trust and things like that. But the foundation has allowed us to always come back. Mm-hmm. And, and and nothing's nothing's been drastic. Nothing was drastic. Nothing was. Um, I think the, the 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 biggest thing on like my side was I started to chat with somebody um, I didn't think she would like. So I wasn't super excited to talk to her about it. And the reason she wouldn't like this person were some legitimate reasons. Uh, well, I didn't want to talk about it because I didn't want her to tell, give me the, the reasons to outweigh what my dick wanted. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and I mean, like, I think the real, the few experiences we had as a couple before we moved to California, um, are kind of their own little bubble because they were in, um, it was an adventure we were taking together. So we would 
talk about it before we would go and have the experience and then, you know, talk about it after they were mostly a disaster, but they were something we did together. So it was this, a big adventure together. Um, and even the disasters, like we'd go home and fuck the entire next day. Right. right. Because we did the thing. We did the thing. And it was, you know, it didn't, wasn't, that wasn't great, but we did the thing coming to California and truly opening our relationship was a whole other ball of like that was when we started doing things separately is where the big things that's where the big things happened. Right. Um, I had grown up in a very rural area and even in the Midwest where we lived, you never were truly anonymous. You never were, you're not going to see someone, you know, like you're, you can just be an anonymous face. I never experienced that in my life until coming to California. Right. And at the same time, we had been talking about things like regrets that we had had. And one of mine was I'd actually never dated. Um, my first marriage was to my college sweet. I mean, sorry, not my college sweetheart, my high school sweetheart. So I had never actually dated. I, I felt like there was a whole experience that a lot of people have in their 20s that I didn't have. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, you can do that, you know. It, uh, it, it was. Um, so we came to California traveling for work and we lived full time in a fifth wheel. And we were sitting in a hot tub in, um, so the county we now live in has a larger population than the state we're from. Um, and so true, true anonymity. And we're sitting in the hot tub and we had just discovered the, the local kink community. We had just started doing like uh, Shabari and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that happened first. No, it didn't. Did it? Okay. No, well. it didn't. We had been talking about discovering the kink community. We just hadn't yet. Uh, it all happened right at the same time. We were sitting in a hot tub. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, oh. It's all about about the same time, yes. right? Like in uh-huh. general. It was. It was like um, the end of November was when we like started doing open, and then beginning of January is when we started. You you are better at dates than I am, I so am. it's 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 a side effect of dyslexia. So I'm really really bad on dates. It's all good. Um, so, anyways, we're sitting in a hot tub, and we're talking. And she says that. She goes, I've never dated. And, well, dating sucks, but <laughs> put Tinder on her He was like, dating sucks, but you can do that. And yeah. I was like, well, oh, okay. And that's when I found out dating sucks. <laughs> but this, this time we didn't have any language. We didn't, we didn't know what we were doing. We were like, well, we're open. Yeah. Right. We're fucking around. Well, so because when you were in the Midwest, it was only together, only other couples. It was right. very, it was kind of That's more traditional swinging. Experiences. Yeah. Yes, it was yes. much closer to swinging. Yes, yeah. it was much closer to swinging. It was a handful of experiences. It was, and it was absolutely together. Yeah. So, so two, two quick questions to clarify some things. The first is, was the hot tub in the fifth wheel? Because that would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the RV park. The RV okay. park. Yeah. Fair enough. I, I figured as much. Uh-huh. But, but that second, would have, that would be a hell of a fifth wheel. Yeah, and a hell of a swinger ride. Yeah, right. <laughs> the uh, the other one was you, um, Chris. You had said that you were sort of a serial monogamous, but then you also said you married your high school sweetheart. So I guess how I guess how did those line up time wise, or was it just like throughout high school? It was just like yeah. So like I I dated a couple of people early in high school. And then like my first husband, we started dating when I was 16 and got married. Um, and then I immediately went into the relationship 
from my first husband to my second husband. David's actually my third husband. I'm not good at the husband part. <laughs> better now. Better now. Better now. But, uh, and, and then I was in that relationship for 10 years. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. I was just, that, that my first, like my marriage with my high school sweetheart was incredibly brief and he's an, he, I, well, I've, I've lost touch, touch with him for years, but he was a great guy. We just should have broken up. But I thought in all of my 18 year old wisdom that getting married fixed things. Yeah. If we were married, problems would be better, right? Right? You marriage you is going to make us closer. You don't know any better. <laughs> and fix it. It's gonna, we'll just get married. I'll say, thank Christ we didn't have a child to fix the marriage. <laughs> was, but I got married to fix the relationship. That did not work. It was a short short marriage we were not together that long okay makes sense now so you so you got now to experience the dating and turns out it wasn't what you'd hoped it would be well it was it was exciting it was fun but you know we we had this typical path of like i think a lot of people when they open they have all the rules we had all the rules right like rules about when and where and how and texting and calling and and all the things um and it, the experience was incredibly painful. I got stood up three times in a week. She got stood up. And like. <laughs> I got stood up three times in a week, and it was just. But I also, you know, wasn't always stood up, and was having like, you know, fun, adventurous, pretty much anonymous sex. And he was wonderful because. That's one of his, his, his always jokes with guys. He's like, you think, you know, when you open this up that, you know, you're going to be drowning and, and you think that this is going to go both ways, but it's not. You just need to prepare yourself that like because she will have a wave. And she's going to be drowned in a wave of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> she will be being carried away on a wave of dicks and you will be like, I, I have a date next week, maybe. Right? <laughs> and I. And that was kind of true, but he never made it my problem and he never made me feel bad about it or ashamed about it. Um, he was just really excited for me to have these experiences. And it made our, our sex life even hotter. Like, she'd come home talking about the thing, and I'd be like, oh, you're such a dirty little slut, and we'd roll right which into Which works it. for me and works for yeah. us. And so right. then it would become a whole other thing, right? So that happened, but very quickly, we the rules started going away. Because the rules went away like almost immediately. Not all of them, but so many of them. And what was funny is, like, rules I'd make. So, like, I had a rule that um, a guy couldn't put his hand on her throat. Mm-hmm. Because safety issues. Also kinky. So yeah, we're kinky. yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we at the same time, we were entering the kink community and doing a lot of stuff and uh, learning all about that stuff. I said it like it was about protecting her. And really, it was about keeping something exclusive for me and, and shielding my insecurities. And then I had to come to her after... Um, a night with a girl I was getting kind of serious with and be like, so in the middle of sex, I felt my hand keep wanting to go to her throat. So let's talk about that rule. Yeah. And then like, she had a rule for me that I don't remember what it was now, but it was a, don't do this thing. This thing's mine. And then she had to come to me later when she was with somebody who, and it was getting serious with. So let's talk about that rule I made. That's how it happened. There were two, two, two things that happened with rules. One was that, we wanted to break the rules we made. Like I would make the rule that's mine or you can't do that. Or I feel threatened by that. And then one of us would be like, so, you know, that rule that was really important to me. Um, can we talk about that? <laughs> Cause that kept happening um, rather quickly. 
And also, we started to realize these are actual people that you're having these encounters with. They're not just objects that you're having sexual experiences with. These are people, and they have their own feelings and thoughts, too. And so it's super unfair to make things involving other people that they don't consent to. They weren't consenting to those rules. They didn't know anything about them. Right. So that, yeah. so that kind of started to feel bad. It felt bad. Yeah. Well, and so you, so you, you kind of transitioned from like swinging together in the Midwest to now, now exploring sort of individually, but you were out on the, on the West coast, but it was, it sounds like it was still very much a sexual, sexually driven thing. It wasn't necessarily looking for long-term partners or I guess it was initially, it was initially all, all about sex. Um, I was, I was, very open and straightforward about that, that I'm just looking to, to fuck. I'm looking to, to fool around. Um, we, like we had said, we, we had also joined the kink community right about the same time, a couple months after, and we had made a, uh, an amazing friend. Um, uh, we had just recently met, uh, uh, her name's uh, Sharon and she's been there now partners. Yes. She's, um, my, she's my girlfriend. Um, but at the early stages, they, they were just friends and kind of mentors in the kink community. They had been around for a long time. And she, we were talking about our experiences. And she goes, uh, she goes, well, what do you know about polyamory? And I had never heard the word before. I'm like, what's that? She goes, well, that, that means that you can have deep, meaningful, romantic relationships with more than one person. I said, oh, that's not fucking me. Like, that's, that's not me. That's, um, I can't do that. I mean, I'd be all right if she did. But um, I'm just looking to get laid. And um, I'm not going to love anybody else the way I love her. Uh, he's my best friend and a bunch of not going to happen, never going to happen. And a month and a half later, I find myself with somebody and went, Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might've stuck my foot in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, and I wasn't, I wasn't trying to change the directions from the rule no. conversation to the, to the relationship dynamic, but I think it, it is, I think a lot more common in the when it when it's more about the sex that it's easier for people to want to put those rules on because it's just sex and you're like well don't do this sex thing and don't do that sex thing and don't do this sex thing but if it's a relationship you're more like well go have your relationship and you create what you're comfortable with and i'll be over here and we'll have our dynamic and you can have that dynamic so i i just i felt like the two kind of went together where it's like when it's just sex, it's it's much easier to slap rules on it and say, "Well, don't don't do this, don't do that." But mm-hmm. when it's more, when it's a, I guess, deeper. I know that's not necessarily always true, but when it's a deeper thing, it's those rules are likely to get dissolved. And it sounds like that's yes. When you take it out of the box, that's when I think it starts becoming. So if it's just you are just having sex with this person on Tuesday night every other week. Right. From eight to eleven, that's a that's a pretty firm box that you've built there, and maybe you don't have hardly any contact with them between those two times, like some sexy texting or whatever. But it's they live in this box. But when you take the box away, and now that this is someone that I'm dating, and then I'm building something besides just the sex every two weeks really hard to take all those things that were easy to have in the box. Like you were saying, it's easy to have those rules because now it feels inhibitive and, and that's part of it feels not good. They didn't consent to have all these rules placed on an actual relationship that you're building. Right. They don't, you know, 
they didn't get to be a part of that. Con- they weren't a part of that conversation. Yeah, and especially if they don't know that these rules exist in in your dynamic, right? And all of a sudden they're right. thinking, well, do they not like me as much? Is there something right. going on? And and then they find out later, like, oh, we just had a rule where you're not allowed to do this thing that I was expecting at some point to have happen. You know, right. maybe it was holding hands or something like that. And you're like, right. well, oh, yeah, I'm just not allowed to do that. And you're like, well, hey, well, maybe you could have told me that. <laughs> I think that that's the, you know, we've had so many radical shifts in our relationship. <laughs> right. But like some of them, were, one of them is, you know, you don't for us. Um, and I realize on some of these things, we aren't the popular opinion. Like swingers would disagree with me vehemently on a lot of these things, but you don't get to make rules about other people's bodies. You don't get to make rules about my body. You don't get to tell me what I can do with one of my sexual partners or not. It's my body. It's my choice. You can make your decisions based on what I do. If I'm going to be unbarriered with someone else, then that might mean that I have to be barriered with you because that's a rule for your body. But you don't get to make what I do with my autonomous body a rule for that. And I don't get to do that for you. I don't get to say, you can't do this. You can't have this sexual act with someone. You can't. I don't own you. Right. I don't own you. I'm your partner. I'm not your owner. I don't get to make that decision for you. So... But I think that that also emphasizes then that the, the absolute need for radical transparency and communication because if if you're going to take that stand, which I don't disagree with, he or whoever needs to know exactly everything they need to know to keep themselves safe. You have yes. to be. You have to be. You have to be able to have the uncomfortable, uncomfortable conversation. You have to. You have to be able to stand in your truth and own it. And be like, well, this is where I'm at, and this is what I want to do, and I'm I'm going to do it. So let, we need to talk about what that means for this relationship. Um, but that's hard, painful conversations. Those aren't usually light, easy ones. They're usually hard ones. And, you know, I think the magic is when you can have that. Like that's some of the most life-transforming relationships I've had, even ones that we still don't have, um, are ones where you were able to do that. But you you that is a more everyone has to be on board and it takes radical transparency and vulnerability. Um, It's taken us years to get here. Right. It's taken us a lot of heartache, a lot of crying and um, hurting each other, hurting other people being hurt. Um, Um, uh, Some of the best moments of my life have been poly moments. The hardest moments of my life have been poly moments Uh, because uh, there's growth doesn't come uh, when you're comfortable and to be really successful with more than one deep relationship takes a lot of growth. And, uh, we've had to, we, like, we started off in a very, um, hierarchical style, which is primary. Um, now we're all, we're the only hierarchy that exists in our world now is descriptive. It's the things that come and come even before our relationship, paying the bills, uh, making sure the kids are taken care of, Making, you know, we are nesting partners, so you know there's a certain amount of, um, and I think descriptive hierarchy that comes when you have a lease together. And you have you have bills that you have that you're both equally accountable for. That that takes a certain amount of um, but when precedence. So we're saying actual relationships. We work really hard to not have hierarchy to, to each relationship. Uh, it's 
uh, more of a relationship anarchy style, let each relationship be where it is and mm -hmm. what it is. Um, and that's been uh, just recently we had to start. Um, I had to start walking my own talk. Um, I hadn't had to do that for for ever, ever. I never really had to, to test that. I'm perfectly um, uh, happy with somebody else being on an equal playing field as far as I am with how, uh, how who how she loves them, how much time she spends with them, all those things. And then she met Jason, who is the one that uh, told us about you guys. And then I had to walk that, and that was amazing it, it was amazing and terrifying all at the same time because um compersion is really easy for me jealousy has never been a big issue for me um envy sometimes in my own insecurities but i'm really good at, at seeing that that stuff's coming from inside me and it's for me to deal with it just it's, uh, i'm lucky that way i guess because that didn't take a lot of work um i was just really naturally good at it but then because she had fallen in love with Jason in the same kind of way that she fell in love with me. And, and, and it was reciprocated in that that relationship was growing very similar to how things had grown with me and her. That relationship started popping up in places. No relationship ever had popped up before. And like, I can't even think of a concrete um, example because, you know, like, um, it's hard when you go to think of an example and you forget of all the words. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there were, there were things that I had thought of as that I hadn't even realized I had thought were just mine that all of a sudden he's getting too, or he's getting maybe a little more of because that's a newer, more exciting relationship. And like, like uh, posts on social media directed towards him as opposed to directed towards me or, find out that she was sending dirty pictures to him all day long and I didn't get any little things that aren't actually a big deal. But when that had never been a thing, it was, it, I, I take a hit and I have, uh, my hard work comes with dealing with my own insecurities of belief. I don't deserve to be happy. Anything that's good in my life is going to go away. And this trumped all over that. Like she'd, she'd come home and tell me about this great thing that had happened with her and Jason. I'd be like, that's amazing. I'm so happy for you. I'd hug her and kiss her and be like, I need to go take a shower to get ready for work. And I'd go cry in the shower. <laughs> um, it didn't happen a lot, but that's a, a, it's a good example um, because I didn't want to take away from what she had going on. And I knew that most of what I was feeling wasn't real, that it was coming from fear and, and insecurity. Knowing that the thing that's triggering it isn't, and, and, and that, that my perception of what's being, what, what's happening isn't reality, doesn't really dampen the feeling at first. You have to, you have to still ride through that hard feeling. You still have to ride through it. And she had already had to go through all this. I had already had a relationship like that. She, so she had been there, and I don't think it affected you quite the same way. I think your personal work is different than mine. Yeah, but it was hard. Uh, because we had also transitioned a lot of um, this is also when we had this has happened to happen coincide with us changing our some of our kink dynamics and how we we handle things like that because she's evolving and I'm evolving and things are changing and just world stuff. So a lot of the stuff felt very much like 
he was getting things I wasn't. Yeah. That wasn't the reality. The reality was the, the, the two relationships were happening parallel. They were just happening in different timelines because we've been together for almost seven years. Right. This is a new relationship that is on par with us. So she is going through all of the same things that she went through when we first started dating. And, and it's not just new relationship energy. It's, it, it's that excitement that comes from making that deep of a connection. Right. Because that's new relationship energy is, Ooh, I got this new shiny thing. And this, this was deeper. Than that. So how, how did it, how were you ultimately, and I'm, I'm guessing you maybe are still working through that. I don't know. That's something that just like one day you're like, well, figured it out. But I, I guess how oh, no, it, it, it's still, it's still a thing. Anything that, that hits my insecurities about losing things that, uh, that I'm, not, I'm not supposed to meant to be happy. That's always going to be work for me. Yeah. 30, 40 years from now, that will still be work for me. If I get a promotion, uh, it, it, it's connected to, uh, imposter syndrome and all those other things. And, um, and it's just different things trigger it. Um, I've learned because I've had really great examples, um, how to recognize where the stuff's coming from and how to, uh, and we've learned pretty actually fairly recently how to have the conversation so that she understands that I'm struggling with this thing because of stuff inside of me. But even though I'm struggling with this thing, I'm really happy this thing is happening for you. And I don't want it to change. I want it to keep, I want you to keep progressing and doing the things that you're doing. And, but I'm, but if you see the flat, cause we know each other so well, we can't hide emotion from each other. Not very well. She, if, if, if she'll say something to me and like one hair on my left eyebrow will move. And she's like, that bothers you. I'm like, I didn't do anything. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Um, so we've learned to just have to not, oh, oh I'll move back up. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've had to learn how to not internalize and process that and take ownership of each other's feelings and how to not okay. manage each other's feelings. Right. Well, and I appreciate you bringing that up of the fear of, well, not, not realizing that you need to be happy and it's okay to be happy. And because that's something that I don't think is talked about as often. And, so thank you for opening up and sharing how difficult that is. It can be really hard. Yeah. Um, and you know, and part of the reason I knew it was um, not accurate or not real, or um, I don't, I don't have, I don't think I have the language for the thought is part of the reason I knew it was a story I was telling myself was because at this same time that she's developing this super amazing in touch relationship with Jason, I am also developing an amazingly deep relationship with somebody that um, I have fallen head over heels in love. So it's not like it's just her and I'm at home twiddling my thumbs. It's just when the thing hits, the thing hits. When when an emotion gets triggered, it gets triggered. So you have to deal with that. Um, And I believe triggers exist to be triggered. Yeah. Um, I don't want to run and hide from it. Let, let let me experience it. Let me go through it. Let me come out the other side because if I'm trying to hide from something, then I'm limiting my experience in life. Yeah. You have to work through it. You have to work through it. And I think, you know, it was, you having this experience, like I, 
I've had other relations. I've had other relationships since we've been together, um, separately from him, obviously, but like, you know, my girlfriend and I, and I've also like, I'm pansexual. So I've really stepped into my sexuality, um, since being out here, like I've, I've just realized, I think pansexual is more what I identify with, but I've known I was what I call bisexual for years, but very closeted. I'm my whole life since I've liked, I've liked women since I've liked men. I've had crushes on women since I've had crushes on men. I've had sexual fantasies about both, you know, since I started having sexual fantasies, but I was super closeted. I was in the South. I was from, I am from a conservative Christian family. Um, really liked boys. So that was an easy option. One comes with lots of trouble. One doesn't. Right. Right. So it was really coming into California that I was able to truly accept myself and step into my sexuality. So that's been a whole thing. But like, you know, um, with my girlfriend, who's an amazing human, we were friends. We were friends first that just kind of evolved into this love. And so I think, and he was a slow burn and he's super close friends with her too. She's one of my best friends. So that feels differently. I think than a new person that has these new intense feelings. So, you know, I had, I had a relationship that actually transitioned back to a friendship in January that had started in May of last year. Um, a great guy. timing and stuff just didn't work out for us and where we were in life, but still a great friend. But, and I loved him but he was also a friend that we'd been friends with for years that just became another. But my, my thing was, I think that you had, I had seen him meet someone, have this amazing connection with someone and I had watched him fall in love. So I had, I'd had that experience. I had seen like the big feelings from early on intensity and watched him go through all that. So I was, I think that you just really yeah. seen that happen. Yeah. So that's been, much more of a slow burn than I am. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that like for him to see me being in a place I've seen him, but I didn't realize that he was, that you were struggling that much. Oh. I, he's, he's very good at, was we talk about manage? the things, but we try not to manage each other or each other's feelings because two, two key things, a few key things that I've learned that has kept me sane through some of this. One of one is, you know, it's not about you, it's not about you. Even when it's about you, it's not really about you. Like if I'm having trouble because he's seeing someone and I'm struggling watching like him be, have any kind of casual physical intimacy with her when I did, no, that's not really about her. That's about my insecurities. And that even, even though she's the catalyst of me having these feelings, those feelings really aren't about her. I'm feeling insecure and I'm feeling threatened. So it's, not about her and just taking that and flipping that to myself and being able to say sometimes like it's not about me this isn't about me like I need to I, I need to quit making myself the center of this so that they can experience or have the growth that they need to have right yeah yeah and I think it's I think it's something that uh, it's it's a very difficult transition I think to make right I mean on multiple transitions that you've made right from being just the two of you for roughly a year and then kind of doing the swinging thing together and then kind of doing the individual dating and then ultimately getting to a point where you've now taken, you were this entity Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you as an entity are now on an equal plane as you and other partners. I mean, that's, that's not an easy place to get to. And I, well, it's a lot of growth in seven years and and changes. (laughs) 
So I, I feel like that's, I mean, that's even, that's really difficult for me to wrap my head around is, and I don't, I don't want to say it's like a downgrading of your relationship, but it's like all of a sudden you were this thing that was sort of above everyone else. Well, it was and, a primary. Yeah. And uh, and now yes. you've taken it and you're just, you're now equal with these other, and that, that's a, that's a, that's a crazy shift. It's kind of a mind fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's very much it, a mind fuck. But, but it's also amazing. Yes. Exactly. I get it's it. also like I get it so much. Like I get to see someone else, like uh, his girlfriend Rebecca, who's just cool as chick. We don't have to like people that we date, that we each other date, and sometimes but we don't. Is it but oh my god, do. is it easier when we <laughs> like them? Like that's that's just that's just, that's just people. Yeah. Yeah. And we both say the people that the other has not cared for, and we've kept that separate as much as we can, but we, uh, we don't require it, but it's so much easier. So Rebecca's awesome and amazing. And I get to like watch her fall in love with him and see, and like, I can see like when she's like loving him so much and the thing she's loving it. I'm like, I know, right. <laughs> it's great when he does that. Isn't that amazing when he's like that? Like it, it just builds a place of so much fun. And it really is like, our way of doing it, I know, isn't for everyone, but we really have built a family here. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, it's really deep connections, both, like, traditional relationships, friendships, uh, like, everything. You have that, those deep, deep connections with a lot of people. And yes. we're very connected. Like, we are, we have a very, um, not all of our extended poly blob is it's connected. Not polycule. It's not that connected. It's not that, um, um. Or Neat, but but there's <laughs> you know but lots of us are connected and and are friends and you know there's a lot of overlap overlapping relationships and and that just has built this really awesome family um you know that's not without its struggles and issues but it's a family but we so it has like, all the things that come with that right <laughs> right but it, it and part of it is the challenge like if you if you remove if you remove the basis of primary and hierarchy in the way that we know it here, and you look at your relationship, if you take that away, if, if I'm not by default, the first choice, if I'm not by default, if it's not going to be me, like if I'm not just assuming that I'm going to be picked, that, that we are no matter what, it's going to be me and you in the end. It also creates space to really grow a whole different kind of relationship because then there is actual zero where you're going to just take that for granted. Right. Where at the end, well, we're each other's primary and we're going to be, no matter what, it's going to be me and you. And then we don't have that anymore. We don't have no matter what, it's going to be me and then. Yeah, we don't. Um, so, which was hard to, to, to have at first, hard to hit because it did feel like a, a lessening. It felt like a, a push. We stopped wearing wedding bands, mainly because she'd worn wedding bands since she was 17. Yeah. She wanted to know what it was like to not wear a wedding band. That was the reason to stop wearing the wedding band. But that happened at the same time as these other big relationships came into our lives. Well, I just want to say that removing that hierarchy, listening to you both talk about it, it's, I just want to, it's very, very beautiful. And I, and I, I think that that's, it's a wonderful relationship to 
to talk about and to model because it works for you and it may not work for everyone, but it might work for others too. Yeah. And I, oh, and I, I was just going to say, and I think that like you, you mentioned, you touched on right, right before we had to let the dog out. Not that anyone knew that, we <laughs> but that, um, you know, that you came to this realization of what you were talking about in terms of uh, at the end of the day, it may not be you or it may not be me. And and that you, you came to that realization, but not necessarily at the same time, right? Not that you both had a relationship that you felt that way. And so I could see that being extremely difficult for the person who was not feeling that way. And then the other person all of a sudden is like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of there. And you're like, well, well, I'm not. So I, like <laughs> arriving there at two different times is that's that's a very I, I can imagine it's a very difficult place to arrive at together and doing it uh, asynchronously can't, can't be easy either. You go first. It was incredibly hard. Um, and I failed miserably at something at the beginning and I did make it your problem. I think that some of the growth that I've went through, cause I've totally fucked up and fucked this up and, and not reacted well and had horrible reactions and made things his problem that were not his problem that were mine. And I think it's learning what's mine and what's the work I need to do. And also that you can set an empathy with someone and you can really, that takes so much work of the kind you want to do, but to sit and hold their hand and hear the painful things and be like, I am with you. And God, that sucks. And I'm so sorry you're feeling that way and not take ownership of it. And on the, uh, and on the giving side of that, letting him set with me, you know, when he was going through all of the relationships and I hadn't had that experience yet and, and letting him and knowing that he was setting with me and saying, Oh, that sucks. I'm so sorry you're hurting and you're feeling that way. I'm not, you know, I'm not hurting you on purpose, but A, not expecting him to change his behavior. B, him not taking, him not changing his behavior and his not taking ownership of my feelings, of it being, this is my work to do. This is the growth I have to do. I have to feel these, these growth pains and, and, and really come to terms with the fact that it, it isn't about me, that his relationship with this other person isn't about me and that, and, and it takes the follow through, right? Because though our relationship has changed and it's going to change again and it's going to evolve and be different and how we look now, that's not how we're going to look in two years. It's not how we're going to look in a year, but that just because he's having this experience with this other person, he's still with me. We still have a relationship. We still, we still have we put our date night on the calendar, just like we put date nights with other people on the calendar. We still have an us and the us didn't go away just because he had an us with someone else. Yeah. Us with someone else didn't take away my us. With yeah. Well, and I think, I don't know if that made sense, no, it, it does. And I, I think something I was going to ask earlier as well is when you, when you remove that, that insurance that at the end of the day, we're together no matter what, I think it makes you work a little bit harder for your, for what you have, right? Because 
Yes. It's it's really, and I don't want to say easy, but, it, you know, when you get into these new relationships, there's new relationship energy and there's all these other things happening. It's easy to be like, well, I can fill up my week with four nights of going to see other people because at the end of the day, well, my, you know, Christy's going to be there for me or, uh, or David's going to be there for me. And so I don't, I don't have to worry. They're there. Let me go and do this stuff, and then I'll come back. And you're neglecting that relationship. Right. But like you're saying, yeah, now they're The default relationship. I was going to say, we're not each other's default. When you remove that you're not each other's default, that we have to treat this relationship like we treat the other relationship. We were already, I think, we had a heads up on this before we were non-monogamous because we were predisposed in our let's do this different mindset. We've, We've done it the way that doesn't work clearly. Let's see what we can do to make it work. So we already really went to a lot of lengths to try to love each other in the way that felt loving to, you know, I, I tried to love him in the way that felt loving to him. He tried to love me in the way that felt loving to me to build an awesome relationship. So I think we had some, some pre-work done there, but we had to really go back to that and be like, I can't, I can't treat you like you're, you're going to, you're my default because you're not my default. If I don't spend the time and energy and love and care on this relationship, like I have, like I am on these others, then I could lose this, I will lose this relationship. It will fade. It will, in a way I don't want it to. Now, because when you're not new and you have some history established, you know, from there's some safety there and some security just from time and energy already put in, like, you know, kind of pennies in the bank theory. We've put a lot of pennies into each other. So I feel like, you know, we do have some savings there that if that's the time that has slipped a little bit, it's been easier to recover from. But I know it's not, it's not treating it, not treating each other like our default. We still date. Yeah. And you have to still date. We still date. We still have um, because if you don't, that's really what it boils down to. It boils down to my next day with her is no more guaranteed than my next day with any of my other partners. Right. So to feed and water this relationship is as much a priority for me as feeding and water my other relationships. And now not all of my relationships are the same. Not all of my relationships have the same level of intensity. Not all of my same relationships land on the same priority because like I have play partners who we see each other maybe once a month and we have kink play and sex. And that's pretty much it. We might talk once or twice a week throughout the month between, and that's mainly just to, Hey, how's it going? How's the scheduling working? Mm-hmm. And then I have relationships like uh, my relationship with Rebecca, which is super deep, but I see her two to three times a week. Mm-hmm. We're developing a, a dominant submissive relationship where, 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 where there's a lot going on there. And so that relationship gets a lot more energy than just my play partners. Yeah. So, so prioritization happens. Sure. But the, the, the trick is that it's not prescriptive. It's not right. Christy doesn't automatically get all of, uh, all of, uh, my Mondays or just just get all of my priority for any one specific thing or all my energy for one specific thing or anything or anything it gets, it goes out through whatever the relationships are, whatever the relationship calls for it needs and and what I need, what I feel the need to put into those relationships. Um, That was a bigger lesson for me. Yes. I thought when, you know, 
now that we're making all relationships equal, then then you have to invest the same amount of time in all of them. And that, so there's no priority. Yeah. That, that's not it at all. (laughs) That sounds exhausting. (laughs) Which is what I mean to me, I was very like my little mind was like, well, okay, so we're going to treat them all equally. Well, no, not all relationships are created equally and they don't all want equal from me. Right. I have someone that I date who is an awesome guy and I love the time I get with them. We see each other maybe once every six to eight weeks. And I love when I see him, um, you know, he's part of our extended network and it's great, but like, he doesn't want more from me. He, he does not want the energy that I put into David and Jason and Sharon. He, he, no, no, thank you. I think would help. <laughs> that, would, that would freak him out. So, so it's like being able to see like, well, no, that there's still going to be priorities. There's still going to be people who you are going to prioritize your time for. Yeah. And just owning that and, and owning when it, you know, I think it's been hard for me owning when it hasn't been you. And it's it has only happened. just it's happened. Only it never happened. happened before. It's never happened before. And, and, you know, he came to me a couple months ago and he's like, I'm not your first pick right now. It comes down between me and Jason and you can only pick one. Like you have one night a week off this week and it's near him. And, and yeah. I was like, and for me, and that was true. And actually. she went, she went dead quiet. I could see it on her face. She wanted to tell me I was wrong, but he wasn't. That was the truth. And what, what, what I had come to be, I had decided what I wanted to believe before having that conversation. I wasn't there yet, but I had decided this is where I was going to be. So I was going to fake it till it was real. Um, <laughs> I looked at her and I said, just because you, you want him more, doesn't mean you want me less. Like you don't want me less than you did last week. You don't want me less than you did six months ago. You just want him more than that right now. Like our relationship, uh, to, to use the word you used earlier, our relationship while hasn't actually diminished, it might feel like that. It might look like that, but that's not what's actually happened. It's just in comparison right now, not as big as Jason, which, and that was true. Yes. And that was, and still hard, still hard. Like even, even going, no, that, that's what this is. That feels right. That feels true. And then her proving it to me time and time again, that she still wants me to, the things here haven't diminished. That man, that was hard to own. (laughs) That was hard to own. That was hard to, because I didn't, everything in me thought that shouldn't be true. And that was a lot of, I mean, that too was like all of the things and NRE that was NRE was like in full, all of its glory (laughs) with all the things. And I didn't want that to be true. Like I wanted to be able to be like, no, you're wrong. But like clearly my face said otherwise. And I was like, you know, I think you have moments where you just have to own it. It's where the rubber meets road. It's where all the things that we talk about and we had talked about, all of these situations, because we talk about, uh, you guys run a podcast, so I know you guys talk about like non-monogamy stuff and, and doing yes. things differently all the time. We talk about this shit all the time. And so we talked about all these situations, but we hadn't lived them before. Right. And it was like a rubber meets road me- moment where I'm like, I, I have to own this. I, ha- I have to own this. I'm, I'm, I am doing a disservice to him and to us and to our relationship. If I don't be like, well, right now, if, Today, on this day, I don't want you less. 
and I don't want less time with you and I don't want less of us and I don't want, I love us and I love where we're at and I'm still invested in us and I still want to grow us. But yeah, you're feeling that and that's, that's not false. Right. Yeah. But that was really hard. So if I was going to give one advice to people going into this relationship, uh, this style of relationships or any style of non-monogamy, but especially this style, which requires such a large amount of vulnerability and trust is you have to learn how to assume good intent. Because if you can't assume good intent with your partners, why the fuck are you with them? Right. Um, even if you, even if you can't see how their intent was good, you have to assume it. Right. That their intent wasn't bad. Right. That they weren't trying. No one was trying to hurt you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I interrupted. You. Assume good intent. Divorce the thought that you're always right. Cultivate an air of uncertainty because the stories we tell ourselves are most often wrong when they're about somebody else. Oh, I, this is what they're thinking and going through. No, you're you're probably wrong. Right. So if you can assume good intent. And assume that the stories you're telling yourself probably aren't right. So you can come talk to the person and, and, and work through the stuff. You're more set up for good for for, um, for success. It's still hard. It is still hard. And and then what she said earlier, it's not about you. Yeah. It's not about me. And 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 if you can't assume good intent of your partners, why are they your partner? Right. Right. That, that, you, if I can't back up and be like, well. Sharon didn't mean to hurt me. Jason didn't mean to hurt me. They didn't. None of them would intentionally hurt me ever for any reason. If I can't back up and have that assumption of good intent, why am I with them? Like, why am I investing time and energy on someone that I can't have that? So, to me, that always says more about me and the work I still need to do. If, if, if my first, if my first reflex is the assumption of something negative, then that's like a great big red flag of like, ooh. What insecurity is being trampled on there? What what do I need? What rock do the work like never ends? That's that's recently me and Sharon just had this. We had a great family day on Sunday and it was amazing. And but part of that was talking about uh, me and Sharon had a separate conversation of like it feels like the personal work when you do it like this and you and you dive in just beget it's like a clown card of, per, of, of personal work more and more things just keep coming when you think that you've found the bottom of the suitcase of all the issues that you need to work on oh no really it was a false bottom here comes some more or, so, here's, a whole or here's a whole other issue like oh look <laughs> we didn't even see those polka dot suitcases over there and you know it's funny because i was like i can we just pause can I, I'm, I'm so willing to do the work but can we just all be okay just for like a week can everyone and their extended partners just be great for a week and like and pause the work? And the answer is no, actually. But like yeah. we can enjoy that things are amazing and that we're still working and growing. Right. Um, yeah. What? So I had a you got a question. No, I keep coming up with questions and then they they answer them without me ever asking. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I run a munch here in, in where we live, and uh, Sharon runs a, uh, a ethical non-monogamy discussion group. So, like, this is—I I imagine our conversation flow happens very similar to y'all's because you run a podcast. Is 
it takes up a lot of your life. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of, a lot of the headspace. This is like the yes. brain games that we play, right? Right. right. Well, that, that was going to be, yeah, my question was basically just about that exactly, which is like everything you've said today, if somebody was like, like, honestly, like if this was somebody's first episode, they're like, I'm, I'm thinking about getting into non-monogamy <laughs> and they listen to this. I have a hunch that they would be like, nope. <laughs> right? so because oh, what, but it's... Go ahead, sorry. No, because you, everything you've just described was an incredible amount of work mixed with, you know, heavy feelings mixed with scary emotions. And then, so like at the end of the day, like why? Why, why do you do it? Like why did you not just give up and say, hey, look, this is going to be way easier if it's just the two of us and Maggie and the cat, right? <laughs> Lola. And and Lola. Maggie's the dog, by the way. <laughs> Joy. Joy. I, I had the best day in my life on my birthday in December of this year. I had a bonfire, and I invited all of my partners and... And had them invite their partners. Like it was just a, it was partners and, and, uh, you know, cause we haven't even mentioned there's other people in our lives. Like I have a couple that I've, I've seen casually and, and they were invited and, and, uh, partners, my metamors were invited and the, the extended polyglob was invited. <laughs> the ocean was so, you know, I love the ocean. I grew up landlocked and, and it's like a magical thing for me. And I just wanted to have a bonfire and spend the day and, and just have all the people that I love there. And actually, um, Jason and I had only been dating like a month. Yeah. It was early, but he, he came to and brought someone and, uh, everyone showed up and they were all there and everyone, it was so happy. And it was so, I could just see all these different people interacting. Some of them didn't know each other. Some of them had never met and, and, I was what connected all these amazing people. There's amazing people in my life. There are amazing people in my life that I get to know and get to share life with and to see them interact with each other and talking and laughing. And then I kind of, I flutter bugged around and like would go in here and then go over there. But like to see that was truly the best day of my life. And and it's still, even now I get all, all the warm fuzzies about it. And and that's why it's the joy of it. Like my life is so much richer. I, I don't, it feels so limitless. It feels so limitless. I know that I have like, not just a person who truly wants me to be the best me that I can be and live my fullest life and chase my dreams, no matter what they look like and be my happiest, healthy self. I don't just have one person that's rooting for that for me. Mm-hmm want that for me and who are there for me and who celebrate me and who set in heartache with me and who set in the hard times with me, right? Me and lift me up. And I wouldn't trade that. It, it's worth all of the, cause like I, I also tell people like, you think it's going to be all the fucking, it's not going to be all the fucking, it's going to be on all, all the talking and processing. You're going to talk and you're going to talk and you're going to talk some more. And when you think that everyone's done talking, no, someone else will have not processed something. So now we're going to process it. So get ready. It's not all the fucking, it's all the talking <laughs> and it's true. Well, worth it. It's just life is so much more than I imagined it could be. It feels so much richer and fuller and I get to love these people. I get to 
love these people and share their life. And I don't know of a greater adventure. Mm-hmm. That good, was very well said. That's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> I <just> went first. <laughs> Good luck. No problem. I kind of want to follow that. <laughs> uh, um, love isn't finite. Uh, you can't run out of it. Um, and the more you love, the more you get back um, uh, in any sort of healthy relationship. And if you're not in a relationship that ha- that happens with, move on or fix the relationship. It's It's a lot of hard work but anything worth doing is now this, this isn't for everybody. Um, lots and lots and lot. Most people I don't think would, uh, feel happier fulfilled in this style of a relationship. It's, it's, um, I have lots of thoughts on why, but all of them are a little self-righteous and, um, egotistical. Cause I think I'm right. Um, <laughs> um and, and not, and not accurate. Just because something's right for me doesn't mean it's right for somebody else. It's just that's the background I grew up with. So if I'm if I think I'm right, then I'm right. The work is worth it because the work increases. It, it gets added. So for every partner I have, there there's added work, but the reward is exponential. The reward grows much bigger for me than the work does, um, and uh, that's what makes it worth it for me. Uh, she said it in a much better, more elegant way than I did, but but only because she went first. <laughs> yes, exactly. Helen. I get I get to love a lot of really amazing people, and I get to watch her love a lot of amazing people and be loved by a lot of amazing people. We also get more fulfillment and needs felt uh, fulfilled because we're we're not qualified to fulfill each other's needs completely. Uh, she gets things with Jason she could never get with. Or with Sharon, you don't have a vagina. I, I don't. That that's the easy one. Um, but uh, you can give me a lot of things, but you can't give me a vagina. No. So. But she, uh, we each get things from our other partners that we can't get from each other. We're not everything for each other, but we we together build a world and a life with our people that we get everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I tell people I love this lifestyle because I get to live a life of and. Very few things in my life are either or. Yeah. Um, I get to do this thing and that thing. I get to love this person and that person. I, um, I, I, I get to do this with her, and I get to do this with her. That's become my, my, my motto to the point that uh, we have an artist friend who is painting me a giant ampersand. Oh, <laughs> cool. Because one of my partners. I think it was a partner. It might not have been asked me like, no, we, you can't, you can't get everything, you know, but you don't get every, everything that you, you can't have everything. And I was like, what if you can? Why right. can't you? Right. Mm-hmm. Why, why can't we build a life where we get all of the things that we need? It takes a shit metric ton of work, but if you're willing to put in the work, you can have all you desire. Like you can, you can truly build. It's a choose your own adventure. I think that this life, we get one, we get this. And I think it's a choose your own adventure. And, and if you're being honest and you're being honest with people around you and you're being ethical and you're being vulnerable 
and you're showing up and you're willing to cry a lot and set in uncomfortable and set in way, way uncomfortable conversations and situations a lot and, and work on yourself a lot. You can, you can feel whatever you want. Yeah. I think, I think maybe that's a good spot. Yeah. Like a yeah, I had one more question, but I they like I feel like this is such a good spot to end it on. Well, you can um, ask a question, and maybe maybe there's a part two someday. Yeah. We say that a lot. Well, I say that a lot. I got accused. I got accused. What does our life look like in a year? Okay. Yes. What's the question? So, kind of, there are two questions, but it's kind of related. I know you men- you mentioned children at one point, and I think some people, at you know, that are in non-monogamous relationships or looking to potentially open their relationships, you know, having a fam kids makes sometimes makes that more difficult because, you know, you are parenting together as well. And I didn't know uh, if that's something that, or how have you, how have you worked through that? And I also don't know how old your kids are, but. I have a 14 year old, a 13 year old and an eight year old from my previous marriage. Okay. Um, those are the kids we have. Um, we don't have full custody, which makes things much easier um, because we get them through uh, this, uh, all their big school breaks. So mm-hmm. summer, spring, and winter, we okay. get the, the breaks. This this past spring break, they didn't come out uh, because they're hitting the ages where they don't always want to come out because they've got lives to do and stuff like that. They live um, about 800 miles away. Okay. This summer uh, is going to be uh, – we don't – we only adjust our behavior to make it age appropriate. So like, I don't make out with her on the couch in front of the kids. I'm not going to do that with anybody else. But if we, we we've spent a whole summer with um, former partners uh, who had kids the same age and we'd all hang out and cuddle and snuggle on the couch, watching game of Thrones while the kids played and, and equally touching each other. We have a very, we've always had a very physically affectionate household as does their mother. So that's not, and physical really, affection doesn't ding their radar as anything. Yeah. Really, if if um, all the kids' needs are being met and they're being allowed to do the stuff they want to do, they don't give a shit what the adults are doing. Right. They're not paying attention. Yeah. This summer, we'll probably have a conversation with my daughter because she's old enough now that she might make some connections. And because of the divorce and because of custody, things like that, I want to be upfront with her. And here, here's what you see. And if you have questions, you can ask whatever you want and have a conversation about the difference between privacy and secrets, because there are no secrets. You can tell anybody you want about anything you see in this house. Uh, but privacy is, um, if you think they need to, if, if, if you hesitate on, on telling somebody something because it's none of their business, then maybe it's none of their business. Sure. Right. Yeah. No, that's an important conversation to have. <laughs> and that's just on other things too. Like so many of these things, I think branch off of other conversations that we've had because exactly. Yeah. You no, know, we want to set a baseline about, you know, sexuality. We've had conversations with the kids about, you know, took them to pride last year. And uh-huh. just, cause I'm not, I'm not straight. So I want to have my, what I can do. If I can do anything that you if the kids aren't straight, they'll have an easier time of being able to talk right. to not just me and him, but their, their other family, you know? Yeah. Right. And I also wanted to ask just kind of off that topic or off, similar to that question, 
you seem very open to people. Do most of your family and friends know about your relationship style? All of our friends do. All of our friends, some of our family. I'm coming out to family now. I'm in the process of coming out to family. It's really hard for me. Um, I come from an evangelistic Christian family, so they will honestly think I'm going to hell for my lifestyle choices That because I you know, love a woman that I'm doing something actually wrong, that my soul is in danger. And that's been a stumbling point for me because yeah, of course. I can't fix that for them. Like I can't make that, I can't change their fundamental religious belief. But now that I've got to experience having children through him, I believe at the end of the day, you want your children happy and healthy and safe. And I'm all of those things. And I think that that will, that will, that will win in the end, but I don't, know that. And it's scary. I'm in the process of doing it a little pieces at a time. So that's, that's happening as we speak, actually. Yeah. My birth father was amazing. Um, and we're also, you know, I, I can't invest time in people that I can't be my full self with. Yeah. That includes my sexuality and my non-monogamy. Um, I, and I, 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 I'm out to different extents at work. Um, because it's something like we don't talk about some of this stuff at work. So it's not a thing like, you know, yeah. Yeah. It's not like this is things that come up at work and I don't spend a lot of time outside of work with people that I work with. So, but I spend zero time outside of work with people that I work with. If I can't talk about my other partners and my sure. sexual zero, sure. because I can't invest time in places. I can't be my full authentic self. And that's terrifying when you start doing it. It's absolutely terrifying. And you're pretty sure that your whole world's going to end. Um, but then it doesn't. And then you have people come back to you with amazing things. And you learn things about people. Because when you step forward into those vulnerable spaces with them, you find out people you thought straight aren't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, that you know, maybe other people had non-monogamous relationships. Or if some style were the other. Or, you know, it, 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 that, that step forward is terrifying and you set the example to, and then they can decide whether they want to share with you and it makes it easier to share with you. Yeah. And if you're the gossip this week, then you're going to be old news next week. It's not how to look for it. You know, as humans, we want the connection and we don't want the rejection, but I'm just not going to make the trade. My time is too precious to make the trade to be anything but myself in any space. And yeah, that's, that's kind of where I've settled, but it is, hard and scary. Yeah. But you know, that also comes back to like, I don't think it all to me, the whole other tangent, I'm sorry guys, but this all comes back to, I think to shame. Like, I don't think that I'm doing anything wrong. Yeah. I am not doing anything shameful. There's nothing in my life that I need to feel shame about. I have consensual relationships with other consenting adults that are loving and full and a huge part of my life. And nothing about that is wrong or shameful. If I treat it, like it's something to be ashamed of. That's where the shame is coming from. Like I'm setting the example. If I'm keeping it a secret and I'm hiding it, then I'm treating it like there's something to be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. That's part of, I think the normalizing part, the part of the normalizing part is that this is not something to be ashamed of. This is just a different way. It's just a different relationship style. And it's just a different way of loving. And if you stop treating it like it's something to be ashamed of, then you, you raise the bar for other people because it's becomes the like, yeah, I am. And same right. with sexuality. Like, yeah, no, I'm not 
I am. I am pansexual and because right. then that puts the bar in their back, throws the ball right back to them. Like, so what are you going to say to that? I'm not ashamed of who I am. Yeah. So that's uh, now I'm leaving it to you. You're going to have to shame, try to shame me for something I'm not ashamed of. Yeah. So it, it's yeah. hard. It's so hard. And it's, I'm constantly challenged with it. I'm like truly constantly challenged. My, my girlfriend lives very in a very close vicinity to where I work. And I wasn't out at all. I was out 0% at work. Um, but when she moved to close vicinity where I work, it, it hasn't happened yet. Shockingly, I don't know how, but it absolutely will happen. I will run into people that I work with, with my girlfriend and I'm physically affectionate with her in public because she's my girlfriend and I love her and I'm a physically affectionate person. I'm not going to not show her physical affection in public out of fear of seeing someone from work. Ooh, that feels gross. And I'm not going to be with her and be on a date with her and holding her hand or kissing her or sitting next to her and see someone that I work with and adjust my behavior. How horrible, how, what a horrible thing to do to her. To tell her that, that she's less like that and that to reject her publicly like that. I, I can't do that. I won't do that. And that she was my, you know, Sharon, Sharon was my rubber meat word, rubber meat road with coming out at work where I knew I would not lie about who this person was, period. Right. I would not take that from her no matter what, no matter that it would cost me uncom- being uncomfortable and being, maybe being the topic of gossip yeah. and, and having being talked about or having difficult conversations or feeling, feeling like people were talking about me. Okay. Yeah. I can get through that. I can't, I can't get through pretending that she's just a friend and, and knowing I could be hurting her by pushing her away. Yeah. Cause that would be shameful and you don't want to do it. Like you said, you, nothing you've done so far is shameful and you don't want to start doing that just to protect your work people. Like for what? Right. Make them not come to make, to keep them from being uncomfortable because yeah, this right. is going to make them uncomfortable because it's different. No, that's not my job. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that and for saying that, bringing up the whole shame thing too, because that's something that I think more and more of us need to be, t- to really live by because there is nothing to be ashamed, ashamed about. So thank you. It's and, hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is yeah. hard. It's very hard. Well, and maybe we leave it there for today. And yeah. thank there, you, thank you both for sharing everything. It's like we talked about a lot. Is there anything that we might have missed that you are really wanting to get out there? Not that I can think of at this time. <laughs> at about four o'clock in the morning, I'm going to go. That's the thing I wanted to say. <laughs> That's okay. Right no Wri- write it down, and we'll cover yeah. it next time. <laughs> there you Just go. It's worth it. If, if you, if it's for you, if you're not, I, I think that. You know, that's the whole debate, right, over um, identity with nominal. Is it an identity like a sexual, you know, orientation versus identity, uh, like sexuality is monogamy versus non-monogamy? For me, it is. Um, I'm not monogamous. I will fail with that. So if that is you, if you think that, you know, this is who you are and that this is the path you want to walk, that you hear us talk about all the hard things a lot, but, like, it's so totally worth it. Right. I'm the, I'm the healthiest human I've ever been right now. Um, mentally and emotionally and it's absolutely because i'm living my truest life so yeah that's awesome yes I'm great way to happy, to, happy to hear that i did have one and oh I'll no get, no it's a it's a really really short question so how, <laughs> take it short 
and then I'll start talking or he starts talking. We talk. It's it's how how many new relationships were started at your birthday bonfire? I feel like if you get if you get like fifty poly people together, right? There's got to be at least one new relationship. There was a couple. There, there's a couple. I there think. was a couple. Uh, like two. Um, I know. I ended up going on a date with somebody I met there. Someone else did. Yep. There was a couple of dates at least. Excellent. Two or three dates at least. I don't know what all came out of all those, but. Uh, there, there were oh, at yeah. least a few dates. A whole group of poly people together, being poly people. Yeah, yeah. that's that's going to be some things. Perfect. Excellent. <laughs> well, now we can leave it there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, you two have a wonderful afternoon. Enjoy the San Diego weather. Yes. We're not jealous at all. <laughs> And, uh, the summer's coming. Summer's, summer's yeah, coming. It's freaking the middle of May. Summer should be here. <laughs> so, it's okay. raining on us right now, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, enjoy your day, and we will talk soon. Yes, thank you so All much. Right. Have a good one. Thank you. You're going to go with welcome back? No. What are you going to do? I'm just going to say hi. Hello. <laughs> So, as always, thank you to David and Christy. And actually, you know what? I don't know why we didn't mention this at the beginning, because we forgot, really. Uh, Christy is the partner of Jason, who was on episode 46 with his other partner, Vel. So, another amazing interview, if you want to go check that out and hear more about Vel and Jason. It will give you a little more context into the Jason that Christy... Christy was talking about. Yes, exactly. It's a good call. We forgot to mention in the beginning. Sorry, everyone. Next week, we have Whitney Miller. Whitney Miller was the 2012 Miss USA. She was also a professional wakeboard, uh, wake surf Mm -hmm. competitor. She does mixed martial arts. She's a fitness coach, fitness model, and Relationship relationship coach. So, she comes on to talk about sort of how all of those things go together and how she has managed to navigate non-monogamy the last five or six years. Yep. We're super excited to have her on and hear some of the stuff she's working on. She's got some really cool projects coming down the line. So we'll talk about those next week. And with that, maybe we... Yeah, I think that's it for this week. I'm going to go eat a popsicle. Oh, for your throat? Yeah. Smart. I think a milkshake sounds better. Anyway. My milkshake... No, I know. I knew that. I knew you were going to do that. (laughs) Oh. All right. Anyway, find us again, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Thanks, everyone, for listening.